Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie Amaro, Democratic pollster with GBAO. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring in the polls, driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So how are you feeling? I'm feeling good, I think. I mean, every time my every time I go from like a zero to a 0.5 on the do I have a sore throat scale, I like right. immediately panic. Yep. Every day around 5 p.m. I get really sleepy, which is probably just called you haven't left your house and your body is going into hibernation. <laughs> right. But I'm like, oh, guys, I swear I have it. I swear I have it. I swear I have it. Um, I don't think I have it. But I am very carefully avoiding contact with any other humans. I am basically self-quarantining when we do go out to get like takeout or something. Either Chris or I is the designated toucher of outside things so that one of us like stays clean, like in the airlock the whole time. Um, And then the other person like doesn't touch the front door when they get home, like you know, as soon as they go in, they're washing. I mean, we're always washing our hands, but like they are considered contaminated until they have thoroughly washed their hands and then they can begin touching things in the house again. Like it is, it's gotten wild in the last week. How about you? It's kind of nuts. I mean, I, uh, (laughs) like the other day or two ago, however many days we've been doing this, 75 days ago, uh, Beckett's like, mommy, was this the best day of your life? I'm like, well, um, uh, yes. <laughs> what do you think? Was it the best day of your life? <laughs> it's like, yes, it's the best day of my life. Every day is the best day of my life. I'm like, oh, you are having a good <laughs> pandemic experience. And then, and then my daughter, you know, knowing we were going to be out of school and talked about it with her friends and they had planned endless sleepovers. That's how they had phrased it. They're like, okay, when do the endless sleepovers begin? I'm like, never. They never that begin. is not social isolation. <laughs> not happening. And she was just despondent. She's like, this is the worst vacation ever. <laughs> like completely, you know, devastated. So that was, was, that's what's been going on. And so, you know, I've been trying to write like a little schedule, of the things that we're going to do and print out stuff. I'm like, who wants St. Patrick's Day puzzles? And then today Beckett's like, can we pretend it's St. Patrick's Day again? I'm like, you sure can. <laughs> Guess what? It's going to be St. Patrick's Day like for the rest of our lives if you like. It doesn't matter. So they had a Zoom. He had a Zoom call with his friends, his whole class. And like, of course, none of them had done Zoom conference calls before the way all of us, you know, have. And so they were asking lots of questions before it started. Like, how is this going to work? Are they all going to come over here? Are they coming in our house to do it? Like, what has like nobody had any idea? I'm like, it's FaceTime, but with lots of people at once. And they're just like, how does everybody's head get so small? So we had to talk about that. And Zoom for four-year-old, like a Zoom conference call where like nobody has like conference call rules. They Nobody, you know, somebody puts you on mute. You don't have to put yourself on mute. You can just say hi over and over again. I mean, it was, you could be in your pajamas. I mean, it was delightful. (laughs) There was no agenda, you know, it was great. It's like, we should, all our goals should just be like this. If every conference call was just like, I'm in my pajamas and I'm just going to say whatever I want and just say hi to everybody over and over again. (laughs) I, like confession time, I've definitely done conference calls with clients in my pajamas, like from home. Like that's, that's a thing that's happened. So this is not so new. 
Yeah. <laughs> now, but. now that it's quarantine time, it's it's like in uh, it's like in Love Actually when they're like, it's Christmas time, so we can all be honest with each other. Like, <laughs> it's coronavirus time, so we can all be honest with I each know. other. <laughs> I know it's true. It's a quite it's quite a wacky it's quite a wacky thing. Just like this call where you spend the first ten minutes talking about how wacky it is. That's what every every call is like, and I want to hear it. We love to hear about it. So, what are the top lines today. What else is happening, if anything else is happening? So we're going to start today's show by talking about how coronavirus might affect the polling industry, not just changing how you do conference calls, but what will happen in polling land. Then we'll talk a little bit about 2020. The Democratic primary seems to be winding down, or at least is on hold for the next couple of weeks. We'll discuss that, plus what little data we have about 2020 and whether or not data for right now should be thought of as instantly outdated. How can polling keep up with the rapidly changing events? And then finally, we'll talk about uh, coronavirus polling itself, get an early read on how people are feeling, who is or isn't reporting that they've changed their behavior and how that has evolved over the last uh, couple of days. And then we're going to wrap with some big news about the future of the show. So please make sure you stay tuned all the way to the end so you can hear our big announcement. Okay, so we had some people ask this question on Twitter, and certainly people have asked me this, you know, in real life, which Twitter is not. And that is, is this a good time to poll? And the answer is, well, actually, yeah, survey response rates seem fine. You wrote this. We did not talk about it, but we've had the same experience. Like, as of right now, people are... They're taking surveys. <laughs> they are taking surveys. What they, else they are they going to do? They they are taking them. I would I would not schedule an in person focus group. I think at this moment, but for all the obvious reasons. But people are there are things happening online in terms of online qualitative. So that I think we'll see how that evolves over the next you know few weeks. But right now, surveys, whether telephone or online, they're happening. Yeah, so the polling industry, uh, at least according to two of the major web panels, uh, are finding that response rates are basically okay, that uh, NORC's Amerispeak team, they put out a, a statement saying, be aware that at this point in time, there are no interruptions in our ability to deliver scientifically rigorous survey solutions to our clients. We have not observed a reduction in panelist participation or in the quality and timing of research. And then at Echelon, we use Dynata a lot, their web panels for things. And they sent out an email earlier this week that currently there's been no impact to our panel performance. Um, they've seen no reduction in participation, completes, or call center volume. And of course, they've been doing things to you know maintain the hygiene of call centers and what have you. But I, I this is a, a, maybe it's a scorching hot take. I don't know. But I mean, there are so many industries that are being annihilated overnight by this coronavirus, but whether it's the travel industry, movie theaters shut down, department stores shut down, restaurants are shut down. There are so many sectors of the economy the uptown. That are just being, yeah, th there's the, although I heard the uptown one, that's a permanent closure. Right. It was, but the polling industry is like, I, I think it's like us and Zoom, like us and teleconferencing software are the two industries that are keeping on, keeping on. If not, this kind of makes our job a little, I don't even want to say easier because there are ways in which it's making things much harder. As you mentioned, in-person qualitative. I've had some clients that had some focus groups on deck to possibly happen in April or May. And I've told them like, I don't think we should be scheduling in-person qualitative until at least June. And I think you'd be better off just switching to a qual board or 
Um, there are online focus groups as well. You can have people you know, join with a webcam and things like that. So I think there's going to be a lot more interest in alternatives to in-person focus groups. And that's going to be a, a big thing in our world. Yep. Yep. So obviously this could change, but that's, I think it seems like something that's been consistent across the board. And you can also tell by the public polling that's been released this week, which we're going to talk about, which has carried on. Yeah. I think another big thing that I am seeing that is being affected by coronavirus, one is questionnaire development. So we at Echelon, we do our monthly survey of a thousand registered voters nationwide. And, you know, we have clients that will add questions onto that survey. And we've had clients that have popped up in the last day or two and have been like, hey, 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 we want to add something to your survey. And then 12 hours later, the situation has changed again. And suddenly they're like, well, wait, 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 no, we don't want to test, you know, this policy because now the house has voted on something else or um, that this is so fast moving that getting a questionnaire locked in in the midst of all of this is pretty hard. And the other thing is the evolution of like who people want to survey. So for example, I have I have a lot of clients in the education space and there's been some interest in, you know, how do you study people who are, you know, their kids would normally be in school, but now they're at home and what kind of hardships is that creating? And the num- the the states that you would put in your sample, that's changing every day as more and more states say, you know what, we're closed for the year. You know, it's still not all 50 states, but it's it's moving that direction. But like, that's another thing that is a totally moving target right now. Um, if you're planning to do any kind of research pertaining to this virus, the, you know, the population you're looking to talk to might change dramatically as well. Right. I think it depends exactly on the topic and the population. I mean, I, I suppose if you were doing a survey of older people about how they feel about healthcare, that would be different than if you're talking to a general election audience about how they're going to vote in November, which, you know, people can have an assessment of that, you know, <laughs> at all, all hours of the day and maybe, you know, and, and, and it may be related to what's happening, but they could still answer it. It may not be solely through the lens of, of the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I heard that one person doing, and I don't, you know, and we'll see how this evolves, who has a script in the beginning of their survey in case people say, I can't really think about this topic at all right now because of the coronavirus, like mm-hmm. just to make sure they're capturing in case people say like, I can't talk about this. Or do you have a response that says, okay, well, think about where you were a couple of weeks ago. You know, if you could think back to that time, how might you have answered this question, which may not work in all situations, but it's just another thing that some people are doing because everyone's just trying to figure this out. I mean, the, I don't want to say the good news, but a piece of news because this is just so dominant is that everybody is figuring it out together. So whether that's research, whether that's the subjects of your research, your clients, the firms who are working in it, whatever it is, all your vendors, they everybody is kind of working through these same challenges at the same time. So you have that at least shared experience so far. I do, I do think though, so th- there's this interesting tension between on the one hand, like this is so massive. It has changed global life in an unprecedented way. And and in a way that may last for months, that on the one hand, like, how can you possibly think of anything else? There, there's a newspaper for whom I was writing an op-ed about the Electoral College in 2020. And like, on Monday morning, I emailed the editor. I was like, I, like, I can't, <laughs> I can't have you run this because I, I don't know 
you know, five days from now, I don't know what the electoral college will look like. And then even setting that aside, it feels like amazingly tone deaf to roll out an op-ed right now that's like, let's talk about whether Florida is a swing state. Like, who cares right now? There's a global pandemic on. I saw today that Brett Stevens was trending on Twitter and I was like, oh boy, what was this about? And it's because he wrote an op piece about like Woody Allen being canceled, which I assume in and of itself would be enough to get you trending on Twitter. Let's just leave it at that. But like that it comes in the middle of all of this is like, read the room, guys. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> what did anybody think of Woody Allen right now? Right. <laughs> but, but on the other hand, like, d- is it helpful to just dwell on this and this alone? I mean, the election is still coming in November. Stuff is still happening. We're going to do a block of this show talking about political polling. So, you know, on the one hand, it you know, if you have a client that has nothing to do with coronavirus, you know, you, you want them to continue doing their work, but it, does it feel silly? Like, you know, I, I was make working on a slide deck today for a poll that I did for a client a couple of weeks ago, you know, the, the project has been a little slow moving, but like we're, we're finally, you know, ready to move to the deck phase of this and, and talk out the findings. And like everything I'm reading about, like, what are people's top issues? I'm like, I don't know that these are people's top issues anymore. And, and I think it's understandable that, I mean, people's top issues a week ago would have been different. It's not traffic anymore, right? Is your top issue traffic, (laughs) for example? Like a week ago, so this is a a small plug for my Fox Nation show. I had Molly Ann Brody from Kaiser Family Foundation on my Fox Nation show, and we taped it last week, sort of knowing that this was going to be a weird week, but the topic was healthcare polling, and it was what has the Kaiser Family Foundation found about Affordable Care Act polling, how that's evolved, Medicare for all, single payer, public option, all that stuff, which I think is still a really valuable topic to talk about. But it's probably going to be strange to anybody watching the episode that we like only vaguely allude to coronavirus because we intentionally wanted to not talk about it so that the episode would stay relatively evergreen. But, you know, it's it, it will feel strange to have this episode go up about a really important topic, but that isn't like 100% wall-to-wall coronavirus. Right. Well, this isn't 100% wall-to-wall coronavirus either. I, this is not. This is like, <laughs> it's like three walls with an accent wall of 2020. <laughs> well, when we come back, we will turn to our tastefully painted accent wall and discuss what is going on in the now fairly sleepy Democratic primary. What are you doing? I'm recording my show. <laughs> hello little person do you want to say hi hello okay hello <laughs> welcome to the pollsters how's it going good are you having a good staycation at home yes i have a question what do you think the polls are saying good yeah depends on which side you're on but sure <laughs> <laughs> have you watched any star wars movies no, and yes. Mm, that's a very interesting poll response. I'm not sure how I would code that one. <laughs> What's your favorite thing that you've done so far while you've been home? Have candy. <laughs> well, I have to add that one to my open end codes. <laughs> you got to go downstairs now, buddy. No, I want to bring this. No, you can't bring this. This stays here. <laughs> Listen, Hambone, you gotta go downstairs, okay? Welcome to 
day 105. (laughs) (laughs) Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Okay, well, we're back from a break, which I think we're going to cut out my son barging in. And we had the last big primary night for a while, Florida, Illinois, Arizona. That's what we had. And it was all decided pretty quickly. The networks called Joe Biden the winner, you know, really as, um, almost as soon as, as they could in in, uh, in each state. In Florida, your home state was... Uh, was certainly uh, in the spotlight. They didn't change the the date like some others had or change, you know, although a lot of people already have voted by mail. And I think turnout was up over 16. Isn't that true? Uh, I think so, possibly. Let me double check that. Well, yeah, I, I, I confess that I have not done a good comparison of uh, you know, this this time's primary to last time's primary, in part because you know, you've had some of these yeah, states it, like Illinois. Yeah, where you, you had some of these states where it was like a question even on election day, like, is this going to move forward? Is this, co-, you know, so so good for Florida Democrats for having high participation. I wonder what percentage of it was early or mail-in vote versus in person. Because the, the Democratic electorate in Florida, as may come as no surprise to you, is pretty old. Is you know, 67% of them are over the age of 45. Uh, and they broke 71 to 13 for Joe Biden. I mean, mm-hmm. Joe Biden won almost as many under 45s as Bernie Sanders did in Florida. Uh, Pro tip, if you'd like to win the state of Florida, I recommend that you support Israel and don't like Fidel Castro. Those are like two things I think are important to winning the state of Florida. Joe Biden checked those boxes. uh, And so he has benefited handsomely and looks increasingly likely like this is pretty wrapped up. I mean, I know it's not formally... Done, done, done. But it's pretty done. He has a a sizable delegate lead. I mean, the other thing too, I mean, obviously issues are important, as you mentioned. At the same time, it's, you know, I I think sometimes people want to look at, for example, Medicare for all or other issues and and say, well, if people support this policy, but support for this candidate, you know, instead of the candidate who was advocating for that, what does that say? Does that say something in particular? And it may, it may not say anything at all about the issue because whether or not you favor or oppose an issue doesn't mean that that's, you're a single issue voter on that issue. So 89% support, I mean, you see, you know, support for Biden, regardless of whether you, you know, of voters who strongly favor Medicare for all who want it, let's call it that. And wherever you are on that, policy in Florida, you voted for Joe Biden. If you favor single payer and you also favor a government run health care plan, so either a single or an optional government run health care plan, either way, that's two thirds of Florida uh, voters. Those folks went for Biden. 
Only the folks who say they favor a single government-run plan but oppose the optional government-run plan, that's 5% of the Florida primary electorate, those folks voted for Sanders. But every other group, whether you oppose the, you know, oppose one or oppose both or favor both, all of those folks, which make up the vast majority of Democratic primary electorate, all those folks voted for Biden. And if you look at across a variety of different demographics, I mean, Biden's strong across a variety of different demographics. So it wasn't as if, you know, I mean, there were a few like 18 to 29 year olds, I think probably most notably that that broke for Sanders at 6% of the electorate. I mean, there are some audiences that uh, were part of the Sanders camp, but ultimately Biden was strong across a variety of different folks showing a clear advantage that transcended simply one demographic or one view on issues. It was really across the board. So in terms of the general election, then right now, the president's job approval, Real Clear Politics has it at 44%. This is a dip over the last two weeks. Uh, it is, so we don't yet know, has that leveled off? Is it going to continue to go down? We do know, however, from a handful of polls that have come out about the general election that polling from Univision as of this week has Trump up three over Biden in Florida. Uh, in Arizona, Monmouth has Biden up three over Trump, but neither of them getting to 50. Still a lot of undecideds there. Similarly, NBC News Marist has Arizona at Biden plus one. Now, Arizona is a state that was part of Trump's coalition last time. His electoral college victory was large enough that he can lose a state or two here and there, depending on which states you're talking about, and still be reelected. He he doesn't need to add new states to his column, but he does need to play good defense. I think for me, the most eye-popping number was Ohio, where NBC News Marist had Biden 49, Trump 45. Ohio was a state that had gone from being this quintessential swing state throughout you know, the 2000s. I can't tell you how many times I did focus groups in Columbus, Ohio, uh, because it was this like politically important place Mm -hmm. you had to go. Anytime I was on that flight, there was like this 1 p.m. flight from D.C. to Columbus. So you could get there in time to like get to your hotel, check in and get settled before like five o'clock focus groups. And there was always like some other pollster on that same flight every (laughs) time I did it. And now like I can't remember the last time I did a focus group in Ohio. But this suggests Ohio may well be a swing state if if NBC News Marist has it right. So, you know, good news-ish for Trump in Florida, Florida being one of the state's last go-round in the midterms that was a little more resistant to the blue wave, but not great numbers for him if you are looking at Monmouth's polling in Arizona or if you are looking at this, certainly this NBC News Marist poll in Ohio. You also then have national polls. NBC News, Wall Street Journal dropped their national survey that had Biden up nine nationally. That came out on Sunday. Wow. Yeah. Obviously, it's going to be relate a little bit to the response. You have Biden having obviously a good several weeks where people who are engaged watching him on television or hearing of him winning decisively in a variety of contests. I mean, I did not expect, I think a lot of people did not expect this turn of events where you have a a two-person primary at a time when the primaries themselves are fluid, just the actual voting and the dates and and, and how they're being conducted. So that's just such an unbelievable turn of events over the last few weeks. Um, But you see Biden with, you know, a, a clear, a strong team that is experienced in 
emergency response, you know, Ron Klain, who was the Ebola czar, is, you know, part of the Biden team, for example, and you contrast that with obviously uneven press for the president's response, which we're going to talk about in a minute. I don't know how many of that relates to these national numbers or some of the state battleground numbers. Maybe Biden would have these numbers simply because he's doing as well as he is in the primary, and that would be enough to give him, you know, these kind of strong numbers nationwide. Either way, they, I think, say good things for him for where the race is now. And you combine that with what's happening for the president's job approval rating, which has taken a dip over the last week or so where it had been inching up for a while. I guess it's been coming down now for about two weeks because it was starting to come down last week. It's still at 44. So it's not where it's not the lowest it's been, but it's around the lowest it's been in the last several weeks or so. Yeah. I did a podcast for uh, AEI. It's one of their foreign policy podcasts. and, And they asked me on it, did I think that this coronavirus story was going to have an effect on presidential politics, or like so many stories over the last couple of months, were numbers just going to stay flat. I mean, you can remember, we had impeachment, we had the Mueller report, we had tensions with Iran, we had President Trump withdrawing troops from Syria, we've had so many things where it's been very tempting for pundits to go on TV and be like, this is the blockbuster that changes everything. This is the bombshell report. And like, none of that has panned out. His numbers have stayed pretty stable. Uh, for the last many, many, many months, even in the face of all of that turbulence. But I think this is different. And I think this is different because it is actually changing people's day-to-day lives. Impeachment did not change people's day-to-day lives. The Mueller report did not change people's day-to-day lives. Syria, Iran, these other big stories, they didn't change people's day-to-day lives. This does. This is changing the economy. This is changing people's ability to work. This is changing people's children's ability to go to school. This is closing small businesses. This is, it's having massive effects. And if you recognize that three of the top issues are healthcare, immigration, and government dysfunction consistently across surveys, well, there's elements of all three of those in this. Immigration debates over when is it and is it not appropriate to close borders and things like that. How should we be handling that piece of the issue? Healthcare, clearly a huge healthcare issue. Uh, government dysfunction, how is this response going to go? Is this something where we think our leaders can be trusted uh, or do we think that government is botching this? So this is very directly related to all of the biggest issues that people were already telling pollsters, this is the stuff I care about. So I think this is likely to have a huge impact and is nothing like the past stories that have supposedly been big bombshells. They were nothing compared to what I think this will be. Okay, so let's take a break and then we'll dig into the virus polls. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. 
What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. Okay, so we're back. And as we said, polling, I mean, we often have joked polling never takes a holiday. <laughs> Some occasionally has taken a holiday. It is, has not been taking a holiday. I mean, there's, you know, polling that's not about coronavirus maybe is taking a holiday, but there's plenty of new polling out for people trying to make sense of where people are, how they view the response, what their nervous level or concern level is, who they trust. Do they think the concerns are being exaggerated? What kind of actions are people taking? All of that. That that has been covered by a couple different outlets. So, you know, the first one that's out there is from Politico and Morning Consult that just came out today. You have, you know, kind of even, I mean, this is, I don't know, I think it'd be curious to see if there's a tracker that comes out of, you know, 538 or somebody else as some sort of tracker of how people view Trump's response, um, because everybody's asking in a little bit different way. So Politico Morning Consult asked, a four-point scale, and it's basically evenly divided. 41% say excellent or good. 39% say Trump's handling has been poor. Oh, no, actually, only fair and poor is more than that. So actually, over half feel that he's been doing a negative job. 41% say excellent or good. 39% say poor, that bottom category. Yeah, this is, at the moment, people are not feeling great about things, but they're I also worry that there are some signs in some of this polling that people are not concerned enough about it. Look, I, I, I'm fortunate I live in a part of D.C. where there have been no cases yet, but I'm still very concerned about getting it and very concerned about the effects on all of the things regarding this. In this poll, Ipsos asks people, how likely do you believe it is that you will be infected with the coronavirus, COVID-19, within the next year? And there are lots of reports that suggest an awful lot of Americans are going to, but like only 28% of people think, yeah, I'm probably going to get it. The vast majority think, man, I don't really know, or I'm probably not going to get it. I think it's unlikely that I will get it. And I think that changes people's behavior. If you think you're going to get it versus not, if you think it's a serious issue or not. Now, in terms of approval of how Trump is handling it in this Ipsos poll, you know, Republicans, very favorable to how Trump is handling it, uh, leaning towards approve, if not outright approving. Democrats, just strongly disapproving, as you might expect. Independents are a little more split between approve and disapprove in this poll, but the intensity is stronger on the disapprove. That among independents who approve, the bulk of those responses are in the lean towards approve, so kind of the weakest camp you could be in there, where among independents who disapprove, the bulk of them, over half of independents who disapprove, do so strongly. The, the Trump administration is not getting great marks on this, except for from Republicans. And whether or not this is handled well, I think is going to be a major determinant of whether the president is reelected. Yeah, I mean, look, as far as I'm concerned, it's not a question of if it's been handled well. The question is when what happens when people see the results of how it was handled now or so far and what happens obviously there's more that continues to need to be handled but the initial reaction has been so by you know looking at sort of what 
what public health experts say in, in such an uneven way. I mean, even just sort of watching the president's evolution and how he's changed, you know, and just watching the errors he makes in his public speeches. I mean, it's just been really, it seems catastrophic to me and like anxiety producing to even watch him. It's not, you know, it's a time when you want somebody, if they're not a policy wonk, who's kind of great at the mechanics and, and not so great at kind of the public figure role. If, if you're not going to be that kind of president, then you should at least be the other kind of president, but like really good at kind of speaking in a way that people find reassuring, even if you're not necessarily like a nuts and bolts policy person. And in this situation, he's not either of those things. And it's, to me, this is a, this is not a time for somebody who <laughs> has neither of those important skill sets. Um, so at any rate, you can see some of that in the numbers where people find, the intensity. I mean, Pew just dropped something today too, where people have confidence in the CDC. They have confidence in their state and local officials. Obviously, you see a lot of governors, you know, taking very decisive action. Democratic governors, Republican governors, you know, their job as executives is to take action and taking action where there's a void from the federal government. And Trump's numbers, uh, you have more saying they trust him not at all, 38% than saying they trust him, you know, or they say that, that he's not doing at all a good job versus saying he's doing a very good job. Just 24% said that. That's overall numbers from from Pew. And then, you know, you see it in the Axios poll about who, how much you trust. And it has the same kind of list of groups as NIH, your state health department, local office, of emergency management to a World Health Organization, which I'm sure people don't even have that much familiarity with, still gets trusted more than Trump, as, again, aside from Republicans. Republicans trust Trump more than all these different groups, including the CDC, the other, you know, independents and Democrats trust all those other groups more than Trump. And that's consistent across all of these different outlets. And however they ask it, you you see a little bit of a trend. I mean, here's the thing that is we're going to go to next, which is what does the trend line look like? If you look at, for example, the in, uh, Marist poll that is now has a second poll out on this. So you can see some very clear movement where uh, in February, a majority said they were not concerned. 55% said they were not very or not very concerned about coronavirus in their community now. Only 30% say they're not very concerned. So that has changed considerably. Went from 44% concerned to 70% concerned in just a month. Similarly, you know, a question about, um, do you think the federal government is doing enough? And in February, 61% said, yeah, the federal government's doing enough about this. And in March, only 46% said the federal government's doing enough. So if, you know, we get to a point, and I mentioned this last week, people are going to have a shared, right now people have a shared sense of, like what they are all feeling is this, you know, shared sense of feeling that kind of um, told by the media that there's an impending crisis, but not necessarily a shared sense of what that crisis means for them other than the day-to-day dis -day disruption or economic disruption. And you can see that in Pew about what people are worried about. It, it, that, does that change as people start to get sick or they go to the hospital or they need to go to the doctor for something else and they're not able to because our, our healthcare system is overwhelmed. And this is the last thing I'll mention is just Pew had a question about do you think these various groups have have exaggerated the risks or gotten the risks about right or have not taken the risks very seriously? So a couple different questions uh, about this. And uh, you see a partisan divide here where Republicans say are a lot more likely to say that they feel that uh, the news media has exaggerated the risks 
three fourths of Republicans feel that way. And only half of Democrats feel that way with that gap really coming from intensity. You have um, Trump, two thirds of Republicans feel Trump has been right about the risks, but almost eight in 10 Democrats feel he's not, hasn't been taking it seriously. He hasn't taken the risks seriously enough. So uh, with no real partisan divide on views toward the CDC, for the most part, people, you know, there was very little party gap in how, whether or not people feel the CDC has been taking it seriously or not. The the only other thing I'm keeping my eye on, well, there's lots of things I'm keeping my eye on, but something I'm going to be fascinated to watch is just a couple of weeks ago, Gallup released data that showed Americans feeling more optimistic about the economic situation than they had been at any point in the last like 40 some years that Gallup's been asking this question. The question of, do you believe you'll be better off one year from now financially than you are right now? Something like 75% of Americans said yes to that question and that that response. They hadn't seen a result like that since they began asking it in 1978, I think. Now, that was from January. And obviously, I think if you ask people that question today, the answer would be very different. Do you think you'll be financially off better a year from now? A lot of people would not say yes to that question. So I think, you know, watching the really bad whiplash a lot of people are about to have going from things feel great economically to, oh my gosh, the stock market is back below where it was when Trump was elected. It is back. The first digit is a one, not a two anymore. Businesses in my neighborhood are closing. Uh, I, you know, I might be out of my job. Those sorts of things people are going to all of a sudden be confronted with when just two weeks ago, it would have been unthinkable and, and life was going pretty normally. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm worried about how people are going to respond. I'm worried about how our government's going to, how people are going to feel about watching our uh, our institutions over the next few weeks. So we will see. Maybe there'll be some sense that it is important to have strong government institutions, you know, committed civil servants who feel that they're not beholden to politics, but need to tell the truth and, you know, act in the way that they see fit and follow the facts. And, you know, maybe people will say like, oh, it's, you know, it's important that we have access to healthcare. And that's not something that like some people get and some people are just out of luck. So maybe that's, maybe that's something that we will see change, a change in attitudes as in the weeks and months ahead. Well, before we wrap up the show, we have some news for our listeners. And that is that next week's pollsters will be the last episode of The Pollsters. After five years of doing this show uh, and covering many elections, covering all sorts of topics, everything under the sun, uh, Margie and I have decided to uh, pack up our microphones, turn our focus to our companies and our jobs and the clients that we work for. And we think we've done an awful lot over the last couple of years to raise awareness of interesting issues facing the industry to help educate those who have been curious about polling. But we think this time is is as good a time as any now that the Democratic primary has kind of wound down to say thank you to our listeners. So we got one more episode to go. Um, So stay tuned next week where we'll catch up on the latest polling, but also do a little bit of a retrospective best of uh, the pollsters, what were some of our favorite things we talked about, some of our favorite interviews over the years. So stay tuned for our farewell episode next week. We will miss you all. This has been an incredible journey. So I know I'm going to have more to say in the next week and in the weeks ahead, but I just want to say thanks to everybody who's made this an incredible ride. 
we see this as a success. This isn't a sad thing to be wrapping up the show. We had an incredible five-year run with lots of great opportunities to meet all kinds of other pollsters and fans of polling in real life and online. So thanks, everybody. And if you're sitting at home trying to figure out what to do with your time and you're thinking, hey, I need to start a podcast about cooking from my pantry or homeschooling in crazy times or whatever it is on your mind, you should hire Richard and his team because this show would not have lasted all this time without Richard and his incredible team. So thank you to Richard and Becca and Laura. And you can still find us in our old episodes and, you know, you can still find Kristen lots of places. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kristen's easy to find. Where can people find us? You can find us at, at the pollsters or individually at, at Margie O'Mero and at K Soltis Anderson or on Facebook, or you can find us at www.thepolsters.com. Thanks. Bye.